you so close to death that as an adult, you appreciate life. Um, you appreciate what it means. You appreciate that you must live it. To take chances. And when it comes to my mental health, it means that I, I always say, because my mental health is not perfect, like no one is, but I always say because of everything I've gone through, there's a little flame within, within me. Mm-hmm. That no matter how bad things get, that little flame just goes, you've literally survived death. What can this do to you? Welcome to another episode of Hey, I'm Listening. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. This week, we will dive into diverse topics that reflect the rich spectrum of human experience with Sydney Conte. Did I say that right, Sydney? That's correct. That's correct. Very good. We'll explore the delicate topic of mental health, where vulnerability meets strength, and we'll talk about poetry. We'll shine a spotlight on youth advocacy and how the youth are reshaping our world. We'll also delve into the transformative power of education and its role in nurturing personal growth. Additionally, we'll talk about the beauty of African heritage, its influence on our identities, the narratives that it weaves into our lives. So join us on this compelling journey as we uncover the stories and the insights that bind these themes together. Before the episode starts, I have a small favor to ask you. In this second season of Hey, I'm Listening, we hope to grow our listeners to about 10,000 consistent listeners on all of our platforms. And to do this, we need you to follow, subscribe, and Leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. We appreciate your consistency in listening to Hey, I'm Listening. So I want to thank you ahead of time and hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show, Sydney. It's good to have you here hello, with us today. Hello. All right. So let me tell you about this beautiful man that is sitting in front of me. Sydney is a Sierra Leone-born writer, poet, and author who was born during the Civil War. He specializes in poetry. His poems cover a wide range of racial youth advocacy and war. Sydney has worked in youth advocacy for the last six years. He has been a play writer or play worker? A uh, play worker, writer. Ah, okay. Everything to do with the youth work. I think it's like I've kind of span the spectrum of working with young people. I see. Well, you know what? I hadn't even noticed that when I was looking at your bio before. And so the play worker, that's a really great title, actually. He's coached athletics and been a teaching assistant. And this gives Sydney an insight into the lives of young people that enhances the reach of his youth and advocacy poems. Lovely. So Sydney, talk to us about your journey through the Sierra Leonean Civil War. How has it shaped your perspective? And can you share with us how your personal experiences have influenced your approach to addressing mental health? I would think of it as a lot of people don't grow up having death next to them. Mm. Especially when you're born in a civil war, when you're born in any war, and I, yes. I use the example of Ukraine, Palestine now, but all around the world, it could be any war. Yeah. War puts you so close to death that as an adult, you you appreciate life. Mm. Um, you appreciate what it means. You appreciate that you must live it. To take chances. And when it comes to my mental health, it means that I, I always say, because my mental health is not perfect, like no one is, but I always say because of everything I've gone through, there's a little flame within, within me. Mm-hmm. That no matter how bad things get, that little flame just goes, You've literally survived death. 
what can this do to you? Right, right. Even through COVID, you literally survived death. What can COVID do to you? It's a perspective not a lot of people have, but it's very encouraging and uplifting because yeah. no matter what's happening in your life, no matter how bad it gets, there's always that little voice that goes, you've literally gone through death. What next? Right, right. And so tell us a little bit about the Civil War. What was that experience like? Because how old were you as the war was uh, unfolding? And then how long was that war? I was between zero and five. Okay. Which some people I was lucky and go, you've not really experienced it. You don't have the memories of it. You don't have the scars, you know, the physical scars. You don't have the nightmares when you go to bed. And to that, I say to those people, you have, I say privilege, but you have the privilege of having an experience you can unpack and Mm. heal from. Yes. Yes. If you've seen trauma and you can remember trauma, you can unpack it and heal. I was just a child and I did not have mem, I did not have the linguistic skills to unpack, to memorize it. So it's, for me, it's in a lot of the subconscious things that I do. Yes. So I only noticed the stuff that come come from the war when one of my friends would go, oh, you notice you do this. And I'm like, oh, I never knew. So I don't have that privilege of having something I can go. So just go to a therapist and say, this, 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 this is my problem. What can we do? Well, you raise a really good point that I think applies to all of those who are part of a community that experiences something collectively and the collective has a conscious and a subconscious response that vibrationally goes out in terms of their thoughts as well. But you also raise another point and that is we often don't think that the children are impacted and what we now know and what we understand is that absolutely in the pre-verbal stages of life, Children are completely impacted mm-hmm. and that in that pre-verbal stage, you cannot, you cannot access the memories in the way that, you know, one normally could. And so there are ways to access it, but you're going to have to go to kind of a spiritual level in order to, to access those memories and then deal with them. But you raise, you raise a really, really important point. So how did you go through the process then of healing a wound that you can't necessarily unpack? I would say I'm still going through it. Okay. It's kind of, you have to have the acceptance of some wounds will go through your whole life. Yeah. And as much as sometimes you want to just fix it straight away, you just have to go, you know what, this is going to take me my whole life. I may be, I will be 70 years old and someone will say, oh, you know, you do this. And it's having that acceptance of, okay, this is a long, long-term fix. Right. Right. And that means you don't put pressure on yourself. Yeah. It's so easy to put pressure on yourself to, I must be healed straight away. I must be fixed straight away. But sometimes it's okay to say, no, I'm going to fix this little bit. And then this little bit. And then eventually it all adds up to, okay, I'm in a place that's strong enough that, yeah, some of these things will come up, but I'm strong enough for it not to overwhelm me sometimes. Very good. So, So yeah, to answer that is, I'm still going through it, but I've accepted it's a long-term fix. Right. And have you tried things like hypnosis, Sydney? So my psychological background is I'm a big proponent of social and cognitive. 
So from my perspective, I think hypnosis is somewhere I, I'm too skeptical to do hypnosis. I want to know more about that one. Tell, tell me why you're so skeptical about hypnosis. It's always a thing where I've, when I was studying psychology, yeah. I've always kind of gravitated to the harder evidence-based sure. ones. Yeah. So even in social psychology, you still have these harder evidence of you can very clearly see boundaries yeah. uh, work, this and this cause this. Yeah. And vice versa. And then you can see the same with cognitive. This but this equals this. Linguistics, blah, 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 blah. And that's how my brain works. My brain is very A plus B equals C. It's the logical way my brain works. So when it comes to the more spiritual side of psychology and healing, yeah. I've always found that more harder to gravitate to because that's not my natural way of thinking. So I remember one day we were doing... I think in uni, we're doing like the hierarchy of needs and there's all the top bill, um, self-actualization. And the whole time I was thinking, hold on, wait, does that have to come first or can it go in the middle? Can it go here? What is self-actualization? Like what's my brain would say, what's the definition of self-actualization? Like, can I see it? And it's like, and then my lecturer was like, it's not the point. You can't see it. It's different for everyone. And then I was like, that's stupid. No, I want to see it. (laughs) Like again, that's like the cognitive and the social side of me going, I want to physically see a data or a table saying <laughs> this and this equals this. I want to see this and like I want to see numbers of cortisol levels. I want to see physical evidence of if you give a child this influence, they will have this social response. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm gonna give you a book and I have to look on my Kindle. I have to look on my Kindle for this one because I'm just setting up an institute to teach my particular method of psychotherapy. It's called the Becoming Method. And okay. I was working with somebody this past week who is developing one of the courses, and the course is on metaphysics. And okay. and so, you know, I, I think that's metaphysics is an essential part of, of the therapeutic process. Uh the book I would, is I agree with that, yeah. The book is called The Map of Consciousness Explained, a proven. It's written by a gentleman. His name is David R. Hawkins. And the book is called The Map of Consciousness Explained, a proven energy scale to actualize your ultimate potential. So the individual that I was working with that's working on this metaphysical course, he had, you know, given me one of these textbooks and I was like, "Mm, no. So then I went searching for textbooks and I found this one. I started reading through it. And what he actually does is he recognizes that the body and our thoughts are actually Mm. vibrational. And so he worked out a way to measure the frequencies of various thoughts. Like, for example, uh, shame has a frequency of 20. I don't know. Is it hertz? I don't know how frequencies are measured these days. Uh, But uh, it's it's hertz or so each Mm. each emotion then is inspired, I don't know, by a circumstance or a situation. And then he took a measure of them. So then there's a whole map of the range of emotions, but there are certain points in that map where there's a transition. 
For example, you mm. can be in the lowest level vibration and then there's a transition with gratitude and you go up to the next level and that's where you're more neutral, less judgmental, all of this other stuff. And then there's another level uh, and then there's a transition point and you go up. Uh, it goes all the way to mm. enlightenment. But I, even as I was reading the book, it, the scale is, it goes even beyond enlightenment. It was quite intriguing. So mm. I say that to say that there there are people now who are doing the research in these particular areas, including self-actualization, and then mm. able to document that in ways. Coming back to hypnosis now. So there is a selfhypnosis.com has these little packets. They're 20-minute self-hypnosis. If you go with this premise, and this you can find in science anywhere, the subconscious mind is the undercurrents of the conscious thoughts, right? That's correct, yeah. And the subconscious mind can be encouraged to go in certain directions that are good for you, correct? Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, so then you have these very small recordings, 20 minutes in length. The first part is really about relaxation and getting into the place where your conscious mind goes to sleep and your mm. subconscious mind is then allowed to be awakened or to take control. And then mm. there's simply a message. I always encourage people before you go into a self-hypnosis, just play it while you're totally conscious and then see if the message that is being presented to your subconscious mind is one that is in alignment with you. And if it is in alignment yeah. with you, then you proceed with basically reshaping your thoughts at a subconscious level. So I have a question for you then as a, yeah. actually, and this is where even I like having a very academic philosophical mind. Yes. So even if I believe in something, I like to prove myself wrong. Yes. Like one of the, annoys my friends so much annoys the people around me it's a good technique right because you got to be sane right and sometimes you feel like some of these things are a bit off the track so you want to test yourself right my question would be what is i'm an advocate for meditation or self-talk you can call it different things but that's the idea of sitting with your own thoughts having peace quiet Again, prayer, that's another form of meditation, whatever it may be. Yes. But just having that space where you're unpacking your thoughts. And sometimes those subconscious thoughts you've been thinking of kind of becomes more clearer in my yes. head. So what is the difference in your uh, in your expert opinion between meditation, deep meditation, where you're really unpacking everything and so you go, oh, that's not the deep root thoughts behind it. Yes. Which is a subconscious and hypnosis. So uh, one begins and the other one ends. So when you go into meditation, for example, mm-hmm. one of the things that will always come up first are your fears. You will notice them, right? So yeah, yeah. in meditation, the first five minutes is a busy mind. The next 10 minutes are your fears coming forward. And then after you can you know, surpass your fears, then there's a period of, of just sitting in rest and peace, right? And it is that rest and peace that then brings the rejuvenation and that energizing kind of experience that you have. Okay. All right. So you get past the fears, but you don't forget them, right? So you want to then be able to say, okay, so what was it that perhaps that was showing to me? And, you know, in meditation, they encourage you not to pay too much attention to it while you're in the meditation because it's just, Mm -hmm. but once you've gone through the meditation, then you could kind of come back to, Oh, what were some of those thoughts 
that I was seeing in the early parts of that meditation? And what do they mm. say about the particular fear that I'm, I, I have that on a subconscious level, I can actually access in meditation? So once you discover the fear, then you have a chance to do something about it. This is where okay. and go into a hypnosis that tackles that particular fear. Then there are people who have done research on a particular fear and why it might be challenging for us. For example, the one hypnosis that I did recently was on decision-making. The reason why I did I did that particular hypnosis was I'd been making a number of decisions lately about who I was hiring as part of my team. And there were about four people that I was finding I had to let go, but I was, I was like lingering, you know, I knew I had to do it. I knew it was the right decision, but I was lingering in it. And then I listened to the hypnosis in a conscious state. And they talk about the fact that everybody makes good decisions for themselves. And it's very quick. The problem is, as soon as you make the decision, you begin to think about like the outcome. You begin mm. to think about, okay, if, if I make this decision, does it affect path A, path B, path C? <laughs> mm. and, and you always want the best outcome. So then you begin to question, okay, this decision that I've just made, how does it impact? And so you stall a little bit in it, right? But if you can trust yourself enough to know that this is the right decision for you and that you don't have to worry about the outcome you just have to worry about making the decision. The outcome will be fine. The hypnosis itself just says, just make the decision. You will make a decision quickly and you will make a great decision for yourself. So go with that knowing instead of then allowing other people's thoughts or even your worries about what the future could look like to influence mm. your decision making. Well, as soon as I heard that, on a conscious level, I was like, okay, let's go into the hypnosis. And so I then went into that period of relaxation and then, you know, getting my, my subconscious to be the more alert version of me versus the conscious self. And then I played, I played the hypnosis I was then able to go off and just make my decision. So, you know, spoke to the first person, second person, third person, fourth person. And, and then by the time I was all done, I was like, that was the right decision. Mm -hmm. So okay. all that to say, when you think about the child and the child who has been wounded mm. by a collective experience, as well as, you know, your own, your own experience, then it's okay to allow the subconscious mind to repair and rejuvenate itself. And sometimes through the simplest of things, like a hypnosis. Okay. I've not thought of it from that perspective. Mm. That's quite enlightening. It's a very enlightening thought that. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I was saying one of the, I think one of the things, especially from a psych background and a psych family, you tend to decision paralysis, your brain knows too much so that you don't act. Yes. You know, knowledge can be great, but having naive sometimes is really good. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. So I thought like, when you said that, oh, it actually does make sense. And it's, I can see the links between, especially like, this is where the decision paralysis kind of comes to in my head where I'm thinking, oh, you know what? Okay, what's the difference in this and meditation? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm seeing the links and it's actually quite fascinating when you say it like that. Yeah, right? And you can see how it takes away the fear. And then mm. some things like, you know, no one wants to be programmed with the wrong message, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you liberate yourself or empower yourself by first listening to the message that you're going to program into your mind, then mm. it gives you then the permission to say yes or no. Or no. And it's a much more 
you know, it's a better process for you because you welcome it and embrace it versus go into it with fear. And, you know, that goes out for all of the folks who might be listening here who have been part of, and yeah, I'm talking to black people. So we've been part of, <laughs> we've been part of a collective experience, black people. And that collective experience, some of us have no memory of it. And mm-hmm. yet it is part of our DNA. We know this through the studies of epigenetics. And we will never be able to process some of these memories because we have no conscious awareness of them. And so for us as a people, it's important for us to know that just as you said, Sydney, people will say, oh, do you notice you do that? You know, for us as a people, it's, it's important for us to begin to notice things like, hmm, do we as a people do certain things that other people find a little bit strange? Mm-hmm. And is and is that a trauma-based thing or is that truly, you know, how as a nation we are, right? And so it's time for us to begin to look at those things and then recognize that there's always something we can do about it. Well, that was the most interesting uh, first session with Sydney. Audience, I want to encourage you and I want you to think about something, you know, even if you can't think about the enslavement experience, and what that might mean for you specifically. We all encountered George Floyd. And even if you didn't watch the video, there was a collective experiencing of that moment in time. And it wasn't just by Black people. It was by everybody because that one was available and it was toxic and everybody experienced it. So you want to think about how the collective continues to influence you and the ways in which it continues to shape your your thoughts about even going outside, your safety in so many different domains. So keep that in mind and, and begin to think about engaging in a healing process. 